Welcome back to ACG Analytics podcast series. This is Chris Serwinski, the Director for International Policy at ACG Analytics. We provide investors with analysis on the intersection of capital markets and public policy. Today, we have a special podcast on the current situation in Argentina and its debt crisis. We'll be discussing upcoming milestones in Argentina's debt restructuring following a recent visit and a visit this week from the IMF delegation. With me today, I have ACG Analytics Senior Advisor, Bart Ostervelt. Bart recently joined our team following a stint at the Atlantic Council as the head of their economics program. Before the council, Bart worked at Moody's for two decades, where he served as global head of sovereign risk, among other positions. Also joining us today is ACG's managing partner, David Metzner, to provide his insights. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at ACG Analytics for daily insights regarding public policy and the political economy. And now I'm going to turn it over to David Metzner to start our conversation. Bart, I'd like to start off by reviewing ACGA's thesis on Argentina. We were skeptical of an easy negotiation with the new government in Buenos Aires felt that the government was almost sweet-talking investors. How do you interpret the recent IMF meeting? I think that validates our view. I think so, too. And I think one observation appears to be that the government and the IMF are pretty far along in their own talks. The IMF team is in Buenos Aires again this week to talk about the details of the Argentinians' economics plan, the restructuring of the IMF obligations, you know, 40 plus billion. And it has seemed to their involvement and the near alignment with the government's position about the government's own debt sustainability has seemed to embolden the government in its own negotiating stance with private creditors. So I was a little bit surprised by the fact that the IMF was so confident that government couldn't repay its debts without releasing a debt sustainability analysis. It appears that IMF has access to information from the government that the rest of us haven't seen yet. They came to that conclusion after a a short three-day visit. And again, since they're there this week, I'm sure further details will be disclosed to them that the rest of us have yet to see. And so the IMF is approaching the situation a little bit differently under Georgieva than with the new administration. At the moment, they're not really pushing for deep austerity measures, not that we know of anyways. What do you make of that? Yeah, I'm not uh, yet convinced that this is a result of the new managing director and her team. I think it's worth reminding ourselves that the IMF and Argentina have their own complicated history, and Argentina has frequently called on the IMF, has had uh, 21 support programs since joining the IMF in the 1950s. And obviously, in the 2001-2002 years, those years of deep austerity under the previous IMF program, got a lot of bruises in in Argentina and had a, a lot of damage to its reputation and isn't seen in domestic Argentinian politics as a very constructive partner to the government. So I think when we look at the attitude of the IMF towards the incoming government and and towards the resolution of this debt crisis, I think it's more informative to look at the history that the IMF and Argentina have. Well, the IMF team and the government do appear to be working well in spite of the steep history that you mentioned. They're back in Buenos Aires this week for consultations just weeks after their last visit. Does that say anything about the state of the negotiations or where they're going? Well, I think the government has a very aggressive but artificial timeline. The government has stated that its desire to put a proposal in front of bondholders mid-March and have everything done and dusted end of March. That is not how capital markets time works, and it's unrealistic. They may be able to make a whole lot of progress, though, with the IMF on the IMF's exposure of 40 plus billion. 
before the IMF spring meetings in April, for example. So it may be an attempt to sort a big part of the problem before starting negotiations with private sector bondholders in earnest. Bart, I feel like I've seen this scenario before of a bid and ask between investors and the government. The government can't afford to pay, okay, forcing the price of the bonds down. I believe they delayed a principal payment on a small bond. They canceled the peso denomination sale. All of these items to try to get prices to trade lower, therefore creating more pressure on investors that in the end, investors will have their own way to leverage back, probably through the threat of litigation or actually filing. Do you read it the same way? Have we been down this path before? Yeah, especially Argentina has. And the resolution of the last default happens over a very protracted, very bruising court battle up in New York. I think the government is keen to avoid a similar litigation scenario. And so the spread between the bid and the ask might narrow because of that consideration. I, I do think a lot of this debt that the government is looking to restructure was issued not just under Argentinian law, but under New York and London law. And so I expect bondholders to always have the viable threat of enforcing their rights, their contractual rights in the New York court for a substantial amount of of this bonded debt. We've talked about what haircuts creditors are expecting or willing to take. There's also a divergence between what President Fernandez has suggested and what his vice president, Christina, has demanded. Fernandez has advocated on Sunday in particular for a sustainable debt plan, likely meaning haircuts to private creditors. And we know that Christina wants very heavy haircuts. Does the divergence in opinion between the two of them mean all that much or no, because generally big haircuts are going to lead to litigation anyways? Yeah, I think, you know, the larger the haircut proposed, so no matter what the domestic politics are that lead to the proposal, the larger the haircut that's being proposed to foreign creditors, the higher the risk of a protracted litigation. And I think that is still something the government is keen to avoid, something like akin to what happened last time. So I think bondholders in New York and elsewhere have contractual rights that they will enforce if they get a proposal that they deem unworkable. Now, let's talk about the profile of this debt a little bit, because it it is an interesting and unusual debt structure. We have significant maturities coming up in the next two to three years. That is both to the IMF, private creditors, and the Paris Club. I don't think that there's been much said about the Paris Club. Is that something that needs to be on our radar a little bit more? And do you have an idea as to the level of those maturities? Thank you, Chris. It's an important question. So it is a very front-loaded debt profile, as you indicate. The Paris Club number in the scheme of things is small. What's surprising about it is that the government keeps bringing it up as an exposure that they want to address, You know, which would take negotiating capacity away from them as they also try to deal with the IMF and the private credit. The big maturities coming due this year are $25 billion in, in private sector debt this year, another close to $9 billion next year, and then there's public sector debt meaning held by the domestic public sector that's due this year. So a lot of maturities in the next year or two, three, that could presumably be reprofiled and with, with minimal losses to creditors be smoothed out, which since the IMF is always in a senior position and will always get its money back is probably what they're looking to do with the IMF. Yeah, so the IMF can't take a haircut, obviously. And the IMF cannot take a haircut. Over the last few days, Bart, we've also seen some news related to who the government chose as their financial advisor. Now, Lazard was the ultimate decision, and there was a lot of speculation as the process went on as to who they'd choose. Are there any takeaways from that? Without commenting on Lazard, what I'll say about their shortlist, so the people they picked from is that they 
they selected their advisor from a list of, of the most well-established people in the industry. And so the Lazar team that, that will come in uh, to assist the government is among the most experienced teams in the industry. Then circling back, the pace of negotiations is picking up, obviously. Do you think that we'll hear anything important out of this week's talks? Well, let's remind ourselves that the March 31st deadline is artificial and can be self-imposed. Moved. It, yeah, self-imposed. It doesn't mean anything. What the government appears to be doing is trying to build momentum because, it, as you mentioned, the IMF is there now. The minister also had meetings with several large uh, institutional investors in, in the U.S. And so what the government may be trying to do is address large parts of its exposure with early agreements to build momentum and and kind of force the hand of remaining creditors at some point down the line, whether that be mid to late March or, or a bit later this year. So that appears to be the, the attempt at the moment. So that leaves us with just a few weeks then until the end of March and this self-imposed deadline. So what's next for the IMF then after this week's meetings? Well, I think the IMF is talking with the government about a new program and doing what is called an Article 4 monitoring report on the economy. Any adjustment of the IMF obligations and any new plan for the IMF with respect to Argentina would have to be signed off on by, by the IMF board. Uh, to the extent that any IMF plan addresses a private sector restructuring, so gives an indication of what the haircut should be for private sector creditors, I assume the countries that are hosts to those kind of investors would take an interest in that topic and would want to hear about the the details of the underlying economic and debt plan of of the government before signing off. What is the process for Article 4 then? Because it most likely will not be done until after March. It takes quite a while. And we are probably not going to have a creditor deal yet either. These two processes will still be ongoing. Does the government then just shift to a new deadline? I think what the government would like to do, and probably what the IMF would prefer, is to have the government and the IMF aligned on an economic plan and a plan to address the IMF obligations, which includes an indication of the haircut private sector creditors would face. The IMF will then monitor the economy along a regular schedule and comment and adjust as necessary as the government negotiates with private sector creditors later this year, not before the end of March. Excellent. So we'll have time for another podcast then. Between... We will have plenty of other yeah. podcasts. Yeah. I figure. Okay. Well, thank you, Bart, for joining us today. Thank you, David, of course. And thank you to everybody for listening to this edition of the ACG Analytics podcast. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at ACG Analytics for daily insights into public policy in the political economy. If you have follow-up inquiries, please reach out to Meili Wong at 202-327-8100 or by email at research at acg-analytics.com. We look forward to working with you on a bespoke basis and to the next version of this podcast.